that talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to an emergency Buckeye talk. Emergency because the Ohio State basketball season is over, not what we expected. 75-72 overtime loss for the number two seed Buckeyes to number 15 Oral Roberts. Stephen Means covered it live in West Lafayette. He's back in his hotel room in Indianapolis. Nathan and I are at home, and we're here to talk about this. Stephen, why did they lose? Uh, yeah, there's a lot of answers to that question. It starts with, I mean, the obvious one, their inability to close out a basketball game, which has been the struggle throughout this entire last three or four weeks here, really throughout the entire season. They're up four with about two minutes left to go after a few free throws by Musa Jallo and EJ Liddell. Uh, and then they just don't score for the rest of the second the second half. They just do not score. They allow and they while they're while they're fouling Oral Roberts Roberts along the way and letting them get to the free throw line and scoring while the clock is stopped. That's the one thing you don't want to allow to happen when you're up in a basketball game at the end is you don't want to allow the other team to score when the clock is not moving because it's just extra points that they can get. And then in overtime, obviously Oral Roberts took over with Max Aismas. And Kevin O'Banner basically leading the way, leading the charge, being basically the only type of offense that Oral Roberts had all game. They combined for 59 points. So I get frustrated with coaches who like poo-poo stuff during the year. And it's hard to tell because a lot of times you can't tell what's going to matter or not. And in the end, it's like hindsight. It's like, well, did the thing that every, the media made a big deal about, did it matter or not? And so I'm a little frustrated with Chris Holtman right now because he poo-pooed all the blown leads and everything. They get up a 17 to three run to Oral Roberts in the middle of the first half, right at a point when a normal two seed would like be exerting its influence and putting a game away. They melted, they melted. So guess what Holtman, it mattered. So now all of a sudden I'm, I'm riled up. I don't, don't poo-poo stuff during the year and then have a coaching failure like this man i didn't realize i was this ticked off the team in some ways overachieved because chris holtman doesn't have enough talent on this team the program is underachieving and we sit here as purdue just laid an egg but purdue's used to laying eggs i mean purdue matt painter who i like as a coach has never done in the tournament what ohio state did under Thad Mata. So this is you. You want to be Purdue? Is that it? Ohio State. Now you're Purdue. This is underachieving as a program. It's, a, it's on Rutgers. Rutgers is, is out to right now as they're playing right now to protect the good name of the Big Ten. Michigan State blew it in their playing game, but they made the final four two years ago. Nathan, this is not good enough for this program. And Holtman has lost the benefit of the doubt. Nobody, I don't want to hear any, well, they're pretty good. I don't want to hear any, well, in his first year, I don't, it's over. You've wait, you blew all of that in one game today. It's one of the 10 worst losses in NCAA tournament history. It's the ninth two seed to lose to a 15 and one is lost to a 16 seed once. That's how bad this is. It's one of the 10 worst losses in NCAA tournament history. And show me the peak of Chris Holtman. I guess it's 15 and three in year one where they finished second in the big 10 with, by the way, I know everything Chris Holtman wasn't left on this roster. He was left the big 10 player of the year and Kata Bates D up. All right. So that was a good coaching job year one. Show me something else. Show me a peak equivalent to this low 
Nathan, this program is better than this. Yeah, I think this is one where you do a little bit of uh, maybe soul searching is too extreme, but there has to be some um, some self-examination here um, because there's so many of the things as I was watching that game today and I felt a little bit like I had gone too far in my criticism of Ohio State a couple weeks ago uh, because, you know, yeah, they had that four game losing streak, but it was against some of the best teams in the country for the most part, all NCAA tournament teams. And then they go on a winning streak and they get all the way to the Big Ten championship game and they, they give that game some fight against what people think might be the national champion. And I, I'm, I'm kind of starting to think, well, maybe I was just really wrong about Ohio State. Well, what cost them today? I mean, they, they play inconsistently on offense for all the offensive talent they have. They play so inconsistently. They, they, they're gonna, they, they turn the ball over or they go long stretches where they stagnate, where they don't effectively get their offense going or where they, where they don't create their own engine or, or serve as their own engine. And you know they're going to have defensive letdowns. It's no surprise that the two guys who everyone knew coming into this game for or Roberts still had big games because Ohio State's not a good defensive team. Ohio State is not a good defensive team. By Power 5 standards, they're a bad defensive team, right? I mean, could, would anybody yeah. not say that? They're a bad Power 5 defensive basketball team this year. So the, I, I think you are right in some ways in that some of the things we saw earlier this year, um, I give them credit for doing it, but it, it, some of it obscured what were still some of the, the problems that lay in wait for this team. I didn't think it would cost them this first game, um, but it doesn't shock me that it did. They looked like Oral Roberts. That's the problem. So everybody is like, oh, I did a good coaching job. And I hear you, Texters. I see who's pushing back. It's his roster. There's no excuse in college sports. You're the coach and the GM. It's not like, oh, you're not Hugh Jackson. They didn't give me any good players. They're your players. They're all your players, and it's not good enough. Their roster's like Oral Roberts. They have two guys who can score and nobody else. Except Oral Roberts' two guys scored 59, and Ohio State's two guys scored 41. Oral Roberts' two guys were 19 of 45 from the field. Ohio State's two guys, E.J. Liddell and Dwayne Washington, were 17 of 36. The rest of Ohio State was 12 of 31. The rest of Oral Roberts was 6 for 25. So Oral Roberts had two guys, so did Ohio State, and Oral Roberts' guys were better. Guess what? It's not good enough, Steven. You need better players. So I'm not going to put, like, I don't want to sit here and, like, rip amateurs. Dwayne Washington's role on this team is too big. And Mm -hmm. Dwayne Washington shooting his team out of the NCAA tournament was on the table this whole year. He made his first four shots on Friday, and then he finished three of 17. And you know why? Because Chris Holtman let him shoot his team out of the NCAA tournament. And at the end of the game, they don't move the ball. They just let Dwayne Washington attack. And that's on Holtman. And Holtman said, maybe I should have done something to help settle him down. He seemed a little wound up. You think? What is coaching? So first of all, Dwayne Washington is not good enough to be like Ohio State's primary dude. He's not Evan Turner. And guess what? That's the standard. I'm sorry. If you don't like it, don't come to Ohio State to be the coach. He's not that. But then you treat him like that. And it's like, well, let's put it in Dwayne's hands. It's like, he can't do it. You let him do it. Why didn't they run better offense, Steven? I know they got some, they missed some open shots. Oral Roberts had all kinds of bunnies fall off the rim too. Oral Roberts would miss a shot, get an Mm -hmm. offensive rebound, and the offensive rebound would spin out. Ohio State's lucky they didn't lose by more. They didn't run offense. They can have beautiful offense at times, Steven. And they wound up in a spot where Dwayne Washington was like trying to do too much stuff by himself and Holtman let him do it. Yeah. 
I think Holtman has fallen a little too much in love. No, I don't think I know. He's fallen too in love with Dwayne Washington. I remember at the beginning of the season, um, I did a q and I have been doing Q&As with the Texans all throughout the season. Um, and after the first game of the season, a lot of the questions that I would get were, what's the ceiling, you know, the typical stuff. But also I would get the who are their best players question. And I put it, quite frankly, their three best players were going to be EJ Liddell, Dwayne Washington Jr. and Justice Ewing. Those are going to be, and they ended up being the three best players, leading scores and all that. But the order of which they're viewed on the pecking order of things is going to decide how far this team goes. The way Dwayne Washington plays basketball, that style, not, so this is not personal against Dwayne. It's when you play a style that's very boom bust, where sometimes you'll go for 30, but then you have other nights where it's this and you're shooting your team out of the game, but he did the exact same thing in both occasions. It's just one night it worked and one night it didn't. Your team is going to be that same exact emotional roller coaster that you're putting that player through, which is why you saw with Ohio State go through the four game losing streak to what we saw in the Big Ten tournament and what we saw in January. They needed to run more offense through EJ Liddell. And even with the offense they did run today, EJ Liddell, 23 points, 14 rebounds, five assists. That's a hell of a basketball game. Now, he had some turnovers, and he needs to get better, you know, handling double teams, but that comes with development. That's a pretty good basketball game. The problem is you fell in love with Dwayne, but also Justice Suing's inability to be consistently aggressive, which puts more on the onus of, oh, we're going to just go through Dwayne when Justice Suing won't attack the basket. And some of that is fine. Okay, he's got a groin injury, so he's probably not 100%. But in games where he's been aggressive and Dwayne isn't shooting the ball 20-plus times a game because Justice Suing is at – is giving you 15 points, eight rebounds, and a couple assists, it's a little more balanced. But when you don't have that third element, you elevate Dwayne Washington into this role, which we saw today. Did they work offense the way they needed to when it mattered in this game or no? No, no. The only time I didn't have a problem with the offense, uh, that last shot when it's if you make it, you win. If you lose, if you miss it, you go to overtime. I don't care. That's fine. But other than that, no. They got too married to, hey, Dwayne, here's the ball. EJ's going to set you a screen. Let's see what you can do. You thought the step back, I think I'm James, James Harden, 20-footer with my foot on the line, was a good enough shot? I don't like it, but I don't hate it either because I thought it's what they were going to do when they played Purdue when instead they just had C.J. Walker drive all the way to the basket and lose the ball. Nobody goes to the basket anymore. I mean, everybody shoots screwy, right. so, jacked up 20 right. So to that point, in that situation where the worst that can happen is you just go to overtime – I'm not of the things that were a problem. I'll put that at the bottom of things I'll complain about. How about throw the ball inside DJ Liddell? Yeah, they don't know. Nobody does it. It's not like it's only them. Nobody yeah. does it. It's like, oh, I'm going to dribble at the top of the key. It makes me sound like an old man. Michigan gonna, just did it. <laughs> I know it's inexcusable. <laughs> Michigan, it was inexcusable. They're one of the best teams in the country. Yeah. That last shot they got was inexcusable. That, I'm going to dribble between my legs six times and then jack a shot. I'm not going to try to run offense. I think some of it might just be based on you don't want to put the game in the ref's hands because you know you're not going to get a foul call in that situation. But So put it in the hands of a step-back 20-footer. It sucked. I thought the coaching sucked today. It did. And I'm, and I'm, um, it's a, like, welcome to the big boy land. Ohio State basketball is better than this. The last seven NCAA tournaments, that's accounting for the fact that they didn't have a tournament last year, not the last seven years, the last seven NCAA tournaments, 
Ohio State has made five of them. They've won three games, no Sweet 16s. The seven NCAA tournaments that existed before that, Ohio State made six of them, won 16 games, and made five Sweet 16s. Now, that's not a Holtman. That's the end of Thad and the start of Holtman. But, Nathan, we're talking about threshold. We're talking about expectations. We're talking about the standard for this program. And that standard's getting further and further away, and I think it's like it's on next season. Like, I, I, I'm not going to say, like, if they don't get to the Sweet 16 next season, Chris Holtman's going to be fired. But they need to break through. This is not good enough. And I'm, I don't care about how close you are. And you're not, it's not like you're winning the Big Ten, right? Oh, well, we, you finished fifth in the Big Ten. You were 12 and eight. You know what their Big Ten record is the last three years? 31 and 29. I get that you were 15 and three in year one with handed the big 10 off at big 10 player of the year. Okay. To Bates D up, you get credit for 15 and three. Show me something else. Good. Since then you're 31 and 29. And yes, the conference is good. You're supposed to compete at the top of it. You're two and three in the, in the NCAA tournament. Uh, Nathan, is that too much? When, when are you? So what we can't dispute is that they are beneath the standard that Ohio State basketball and its athletic director, Gene Smith, believes it can be. That is not in dispute. And if somebody wants to dispute that, like, go follow Minnesota basketball because that's what you want to be. The, the question is, what do you do, right? Like, when, when do you put pressure on? When does it really, how long do you have when you have not yet been up to the standard? You're on mute. I think the pressure is already there to some extent because, as you say, there isn't anything else preceding this that buys you a loss like this. Not that this loss is ever acceptable, but like, you know, uh, Duke loses in the first round to a, a 15 seed one year. Michigan State loses in the first round to a 15 seed one year. Those guys are those are programs proven to be at the upper echelon. And at least those fan bases and those programs had had recent success to fall back on and then turn around and got back to a level of success after that. You know, Virginia loses in the first round to a 16, comes back and wins a national title next year. So it's it, it, you got to be doing something on the front end and the back end of these kinds of losses. It's interesting that you mentioned Purdue. Um, for once, I'm not the one bringing up Purdue. But, I mean, you're right. It's a program that hasn't been to a Final Four since 1980, as good as they've been. And I can tell you for a fact that that hangs over that program. Like, it hangs like a cloud over that program. That despite all the success that they've had in years since, 40 years now since then, they've never broken through to a Final Four. And that, that fan base is, is antsy about it. It's not quite the same situation at Ohio, uh, at Ohio State. But, like, if you're not making any of those advances, then you feel each one of these losses that much more. I agree with that. Steven, are they going to be better or worse next year? Can I, mm. Who's back and who's not? Just run through that. Who's back? I don't even know. So EJ Liddell's I, back. Is Washington yeah, back? Right, yeah, he'll, he'll be back. I won't be surprised if he declares for the draft just to get all the information, but he'll, um, he'll be back. The only person right now who is 100% not going to be back is CJ Walker. He's already said he's done. He's not going to use that extra year. Kyle Young will decide after the end of the season, well, at this point in the next probably couple of weeks here, whether or not he wants to use that extra year that guys get of eligibility. But other than that, this entire roster is back. Plus you're adding a top 50 player in the country in Malachi Braham and uh, Caleb Etzler, another guy who's a top 150 player in the country. So, on paper, they'll be better. And the expectations coming into the season will be that they'll be one of the favorites, maybe one of the two or three favorites to win the Big Ten. So guess what? Go win the Big Ten. Don't go, don't finish fourth. 
and, and lose in the second round and try to claim it's a good season. Cause for Ohio state basketball, that's not a good season. This does remind me a little bit. And, and Nathan, you said this, it's exactly right. They have a low, they don't have a high to match it. And that makes it tough. You want your high first. So then when you have the low, you can say, well, I remember the high. Thad Mata in year three, they won the, they made the national championship game. And then in year four, they missed the tournament and won the NIT. And in year five, they lost an eight, nine game in overtime, I think, to Siena. This feels a little bit like that to me. Now, it's not Chris Holtman's fault, but every coach is going to do it. They're going to look to the canceled tournament and say, well, that was our year. It's like, I get it. So I almost like, uh, you know, I'll give Chris Holtman a little credit. It's like I almost would have given Holtman like credit for making the Sweet 16 last year because that's what the team he thought he had. Except now it's like, oh, well, you just thought you had a Sweet 16 team this year and you blew it. So, no, you don't get retroactive credit. I'm not going to slam you, but I'm not going to give you the benefit of the doubt because, again, that's what you did today. You waived every benefit of the doubt. That after that was a, a rough two-year stretch for Ohio State basketball, right? They were, and, and it's like, oh, Chris Holtman could say, well, what am I supposed to do, find Greg Oden? I get it. Thad Mata got a little lucky. There were some circumstances there. That's how Ohio State made the national championship and those guys left. The two years after that were a little rough. NIT first round loss. Then the next year, that team had developed, right? That it's like John Diebler and Evan Turner and David Lighty and all those guys went through some growing pains and all the same guys came back. And then the next year, Evan Turner was the national player of the year and they made the Sweet 16. And frankly, they should have gone further. They got upset in the Sweet 16. David Lighty got early foul trouble. And then the next year, Turner was gone. Jared Sullinger was here. They were the best team in the country. They got upset in the Sweet 16 at Kentucky. Then they made the Final Four and lost to Kansas. But the point is, after those two rough years, you could kind of see something coming, right? But it was time, and it's like, well, okay, if Chris Holtman, if, if, if Chris Holtman would want to say, listen, man, uh, there is no Odin for me, so don't hold Mata's Odin thing against me. I'll take then, I will give some benefit of the doubt. Let's pretend the last two years are like the NIT championship and the loss to Siena. Steven, that then means they've got to make the Sweet 16 next year and be better. So that, like, I think that's fair. And my question is, do you think this team has grown through this? Like, do you think, again, John Diebler missed a bunch of threes when he started his career here, right? And, and Evan Turner turned the ball over all the time. And David Lighty wasn't as good of a two-way player as he eventually turned out to be. Like, they were working through stuff. Were these guys working through some stuff? Like, will it, could it be that next year it's like, oh, man, Dwayne is like, aha. And EJ Liddell, if you thought he was good last year, he's like the Big Ten player of the year. And all this, like, and we'll look back and say, hey, you know what? It was a little rough in the moment, but, man, those guys learned, and this was the result. Is that How possible is that? Uh, yeah, if you want to be optimistic about it, I think everybody learned. I think EJ learned what it's like to be a star player on a team and somebody to game plan for you to be the star player. He learned that the last two two weeks because this was not easy. He'd been pretty scoring pretty easily up until the Big Ten tournament, and all of a sudden he got inefficient. And then today he's getting double teamed. Literally the moment he put the ball on the floor, they were bringing a second guy. So he'll learn from that. He'll learn how to adjust. Just like at the high school level, when he started scoring 20 points as a freshman, he probably started getting double teamed and he had to adjust. He'll probably adjust again. I don't, I, I have faith in that one. Do Dwayne's interest me because some of this is just embedded in what his playing style is. Um, so is he willing to understand that he's not the best player on his team and he probably shouldn't have the ball in his hands in, the, in that position, but also 
is somebody going to claim it? You know, that, I mean, he can, if no one's going to claim it, then the guy who's aggressive enough and wants that spot, he's going to take that spot. So somebody has to claim it, whether it's Malachi next year who can score at his own pace or it's Justice being more aggressive or Michi growing into his own as a point guard. Somebody's got to claim that and take it from him because if not, they're just going to keep giving the ball to Dwayne Washington. But also, I think Holtman learned a lot. I think there's three players on this team who – make things hard. It's Justice Ar- J- Justin Orange, Musa Jallo, and then there's Gene Brown third, who was the freshman who didn't play much. The problem with Musa Jallo and Justin Orange is they're one-dimensional. One's a shooter, and he can't do anything else. Musa Jallo's all defense, but on offense, as we saw today, a liability. They were daring him to go score, and every time he went to do it, it ended up in a bad possession for Ohio State. I think I remember one possession where they swung the ball to Justin Orange, and I'm thinking – I would rather Justin Orange take this contested three right now than the pass it to wide open Musa Jallo in the corner. He passes to Musa Jallo. He dribbles baseline, ends up in this weird situation, ends up trying to post up and then throws up a hook shot that leads to nothing in a terrible position for Ohio State. Gene Brown was supposed to be the answer for that. Of Which one do you play, the defense or the offense? You play neither. You just play Gene Brown, a guy who's a 3 and D guy who can defend like Musa Jallo and is long and athletic, but it can also not knock down shots the way Justin Orange did. But the problem is there were too many times where they would throw Gene Brown out there and he just looked lost. He looked like a freshman who needed a year to learn how to play college basketball. So let's see what his growth is next year. But yeah, I think that's on Holtman too, to, to realize that at some point with some of these freshmen, you got to let them make mistakes during the season, especially in the non-conference. And I don't know how many, how often these freshmen got a chance to do that to when they do get deep in the Big Ten play. They're not making those same mistakes and still don't look lost the way they did in the first five games. Dwayne has the ball in his hands too much. I thought they should have had the ball in C.J. Walker's hands more at the end, mm. right? Like let him make decisions and get Dwayne involved rather than Dwayne just like go like a bull into the lane. Shouldn't C.J. Walker have been like calming things down a little bit more? And that's where if, if we're going to – for this in the next year. That's where Michi comes in. Like, see, but like this, Michi has to. This is where DJ Carton comes into it, which by the way, yeah. uh, but, but like, I, I, you know what? And I'm like, it's Chris Holtman recruited him and couldn't keep him here. Mm-hmm. So like, I, I don't know what you want. I mean, am I supposed, are you supposed to get honorable mention for trying hard? No, you, you, you recruited a five-star guy and he's playing for Marquette this year. So like, I don't know what I'm not. It's not about me. I don't mean to say I, I on behalf of Ohio state fans. Like that counts. Sorry. He's supposed to be running your team right now and he's not here. And you tried to replace him by having a high school kid graduate early. So guess what? That counts. So is it, I mean, it's gotta be Michi. Michi has to start. Michi has to start next year, right? No, he'll be the starter next year, which is why this was valuable. And he's got to go take the ball out of Dwayne's hands. It's that's what it comes down to. He's got to get to a point where over the next six, Next 12 months, when we get back into this position next year, Michi's got the ball in his hands and he's telling everybody what to do because he had an extra year, basically, a free yep. year of college basketball. He needs to be telling everybody what to do when we get to March next year. All right, quick break. We'll be back after this on Buckeye Talk. Back on Buckeye Talk, Kyle Young didn't play. Teams have injuries. Kyle Young's really important. He got a concussion a week ago in the Big Ten tournament. I thought Ohio State mishandled it. I wrote about it. I talked to a concussion expert about it. I'm not assigning blame. They say they follow their protocols. Then I think the protocols need to change. The fact that, that Kyle Young could get elbowed in the face and sit on the ground holding his head and stand up and walk down the court holding his head and stay in for four possessions because Ohio State says we followed protocols 
and we evaluated him while he's standing on the court and he seemed fine and that you can do some kind of concussion evaluation while the guy's still in the game seems bonkers to me and seems bonkers bonkers to concussion experts. So I think they mishandled it. Kyle Young has not played since then. I hope Kyle Young gets healthy and back to feeling better as soon as possible. The concussion expert I talked to said one of the things that can happen if you don't pull a guy immediately after you think he has a concussion is that it can extend his recovery time. So, yes, Ohio State missed Kyle Young today, but I don't want to hear one word from Ohio State of an excuse about it because I'm not so sure it's not their fault that he wasn't able to play by today because they left him in the game when they should have taken him out. Now, again, I'm not saying they didn't follow protocols, but I'm saying a concussion expert says that player should have been taken out of the game, and I'm telling you, change the protocols. How much did they miss Kyle Young? And by the way, if like one guy who's 6'8 is is out, means like you don't have an inside presence, you built the roster wrong, could they get somebody? Is it it impermissible for Ohio State to to recruit somebody who's 6'10? Is that against the rules? The other Big Ten teams seem to have those guys. It's not. They're just missing. I mean, they're, they've gone after him. I mean, if they add another guy to this 2021 recruiting class, it's probably going to be Efton Reed at IMG Academy, 6'11", center, five-star, number 23 player in the country, number three center in the country. If it if that happens, I would he'd be the guy I would look at first. Obviously, they're in the running for Chet Holgram, but he's probably going to end up at Gonzaga. Um, I don't think this is the game where they miss Kyle Young. With, with everything he, he's been able to do and he does all the little and dirty work, had they lost to Michigan, then, yeah, you missed Kyle Young because you didn't have a, a guy who could guard Hunter Dickinson. You didn't have a guy who could guard Kofi Coburn. Oral Roberts doesn't have a post presence. I mean, EJ Liddell and Kevin O'Banner are the same size. And as a matter of fact, EJ Liddell is probably big. It's, I, no, I know he is. I just saw them both in person. He's bigger than Kevin O'Banner. This was not the game where you miss Kyle Young at all. This was actually a perfect matchup from a basketball standpoint. Their best player is a perimeter player who shoots a lot of crazy shots, and they just happen to fall a lot of times. Their second best player is a undersized big man who can get you 20 and 10 when he's rolling. Ohio State's best player, quote-unquote, is a perimeter player who takes crazy shots, who sometimes they can go in. Their second best player is a guy who can get you 20 and 10 when he's rolling. It's the same team. It is. Kyle Young, uh, him shooting threes at the end of the season, that's been an interesting development. I don't know how sustainable that was or not. It wasn't. It wasn't. Right. So he's not why you lost today. Okay? He's not at all. Yeah, he he could have helped, but where? They they still out-rebounded him. Oral Roberts, the rebounding difference was 49 to 32. Oral Roberts shot a bunch of threes, so it means it's a, lo- a lot of long rebounds. So Kyle Young's not getting those rebounds. Guards are getting those rebounds. You didn't miss him today. With all due respect to what he is to this team. Max Asmus is pretty good. We invoked the C.J. McCollum comparison the other day. Someone, I think, uh, I got at least one text that was like, they were listening to our Oral Roberts preview after the game. and like, that's a hard listen, man. But we told you to at least take Oral Roberts in the points. We were right on that. We didn't tell you to take the Oral Roberts money line. Nathan, you've seen NCAA tournaments. Like, this guy have a chance? I don't know who they play. They're playing Florida, right? I, they might be Florida. I don't know. Florida was like, I mean, Florida barely won. I, you know what's funny? It's like we thought Ohio State had an easy bracket. They did. And it was because Ohio State was in it. Ohio. <laughs> well, it's funny. Like I was telling people all day. I honestly, I was telling people all day today. I told my brother this. I told my wife this. I was like, 
we're talking about our brackets. And I'm like, you know, I, the more I thought about it, it was what Steven said the other day about Baylor. I was like, you know, I think he might've been right. I think I have this wrong. I don't think, not, I mean, I probably have the whole thing wrong, but I'm like, I, and actually I was starting to think that maybe Purdue was the team that I had screwed up and overlooked that they could be the team that took out Baylor. And now we saw I was wrong there. I mean, now Baylor looks like it has a practically a cakewalk. I mean, who they have to be now to get to the final four, like Texas tech. And I, I picked North Carolina to win this bracket and they lost to Wisconsin Ooh. by 40. They got whistled. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was bad. Oh. That was well, bad. While we were sitting there waiting on them to, uh, to fix the zoom situation, I was watching that game. It's like, man, North Carolina. No. They were not it. <laughs> they were not good. Luckily, Roy Williams has a couple national championships to hang his hat on, yeah, so he, yeah. he can get past this opening round loss. But Max Acemus, does he have a chance? Like, is he, you know, it is kind of fun from the tournament perspective when you have these underdogs and you have a little bit of a dude, right? I mean, he, it's not like we shouldn't have seen it. I mean, like, we did see it coming. You know, we were like, hey, man, they're like a little feisty. They seem better than a 15. This guy can score. He might be the second best player in his state. They shoot a lot of threes. So, like, it just was, like, to a greater extent than we thought. But I don't know. There's a chance that that, that, that people, Nathan, people get to remember that dude a little bit, right? That dude who took down Ohio State. It's one of the great things about March, really, is that sometimes this is their peak, at least their peak from a national awareness standpoint, right? Again, not to bring up the, the, the team that should not be named, but when Purdue blew a 13-point lead with three minutes to go against Little Rock a couple years ago and lost in double overtime, Little Rock had this little guy named Josh Hagans who just came in and just had like a 30-point game and, and took things over for a day. And it's just you just need to have a day. When Purdue almost made it to the Final Four a couple years ago, they had a kid named Ryan Klein who didn't play a second of professional basketball but had like two amazing games shooting the crap out of the ball back-to-back. I mean, that's what's great about March is you get those moments and you don't want to run into the team that has those moments when you don't have one to counter it. I think he's the most interesting name in the tournament now. And I mean, obviously because they're a 15 seed and he led the nation in scoring and he's shooting like this, which to the CJ McCollum, Stephen Curry point, what's, what was interesting about those guys is one, they had deep runs, but also they set up a way to have momentum for themselves coming into the next year, which is when they validated all of that and turned themselves into top 10 NFL top 10 NBA draft picks is that where Max is now, where he's this guy who comes out of nowhere takes over the uh, takes over March and then we're, we're expecting it to happen next year. And then that's when he, you know, turns himself into an NBA draft pick. But O'Banner was huge today. I mean, O'Banner was, I think almost the reason why, why they won this game more, more so than him. Like you can say that the other guy is going to get his, but O'Banner is actually good. I mean, he scores a, a, a decent amount, but um, to have him go off the way he did was, I think really the thing that obviously didn't have the answer for, especially down the stretch. He and I don't, I'm not saying Ace Mus is going to be this, but nobody knew what Fred Van Vliet was going to be when Wichita State beat Ohio State in the tournament in 2013. And it's like, oh, my gosh, he's like an important rotation guy for an NBA champion. So, like, you know, I don't think he's that. But that guy's got a little juice, right? I mean, it's like if you're trying to give excuses for Ohio State. First of all, Ohio State turns out to be a soft two. Because, I, again, and this is – it just – it aggravates. It, they don't have an NBA player. They don't. I mean, whatever EJ is, what is EJ in the NBA? Is EJ better than Deshaun Thomas? Paul Millsap at best. He's Deshaun, his, yeah, his ceiling is Paul Millsap. His floor is probably Deshaun Thomas. Talk to me in a couple of years. I, I once was a beat writer who thought all the guys that I covered were going to make it the NBA, and none of them did. That's, that's so, a wide, listen, that's a wide mean, net to cast. Saying what a ceiling is 
Paul Millsap's been an all-star a couple of times, but also Deshaun Thomas. Yeah, that's why it's a crazy ceiling for you to give to EJ Liddell. I'm just saying because of the, the, the way he plays, and that's the best comparison you can come up with there. I can go back and tell you, just find all the times when I thought Aaron Kraft was going to play in the NBA. So, like, we, Wait, I'm just telling you, you I've been there. I knew that. I thought, I thought he was going to be a third, a third string point guard, <laughs> yeah. the, the last guy on somebody's bench. So I'm going to keep this and hold this, and then I'm going to show you and say, look, when you were so young and silly and you thought all the players you covered were going to be in the NBA. They need guys. Here's my question. I'm worst case in it. I'm ticked. I'm ticked because I feel like they brought, I feel like Chris Holtman brushed off the legitimate stuff we knew. And I'm not sure they get how good this program is supposed to be. And I practice, I'm not so sure I'm not going to get in an argument about this with somebody, but all I'm doing is holding this program to the standard. The athletic director set for it the day Chris Holtman was hired. And if you think Thad Mata is a peak, Thad Mata is the plateau. That's what it's supposed to be, and it's not that. And I'm not going to apologize on behalf of the fans for trying to hold it to that. Is Ohio State basketball cool right now? If you watch that game and you were a recruit, you want to go play for Ohio State? Do they do anything? Do they ever do anything exciting? Do they do anything fun? Do they do anything that says, I want to be a part of that? I don't think Ohio State basketball is a place that like is super attractive right now. For maybe kids in Ohio, great. I'm not saying it's a bad place to go, but I'm just telling you, man, like what have they done? They're not a national program right now. They've won three NCAA tournament games total in the last seven NCAA tournaments. What's cool about Ohio State? Steven, is that an issue? Yeah. It is. And you can't even take the other approach to that of, listen, you're the missing piece that we needed to get over the hump here. They're, this is, they're, they're stuck in the middle, which is probably the worst place you ever want to be in sports is stuck in the middle where they're good enough to be interesting for a month, but they're not good enough to, to sustain any of this and actually be considered an elite team. Well, listen, in college sports, there's no tanking in college sports. They don't get the first pick if you're bad. Know, so it's much worse to be awful. The oh, middle yeah. is much okay. better than being the worst team. That's true. It's not the pros. In the pros, I'll make every argument in the world that the middle is the worst place to be. But like, and I don't exactly know how it happened. I don't really know everything. Well, I think I do know some of it, like how Thad Mata got D'Angelo Russell to come here. But I think he actually got him to come here by saying, like, listen, man, if you go to Kentucky or Louisville, you're going to be like just a guy. If you come here, you're going to be everything. And then he came here and was everything. And he didn't turn the program around, right? But he was cool. He was the second pick in the draft. Even while they were sort of doing – that's the difference, too. While they were doing sort of what this team is doing right now, it was more interesting than this. There is not a guy on this team who is 10% as fun to watch. Is it easy? Angelo Russell was. Is it easier to use that pitch when you also have the equity that that might have had? And some of that you can't, you can't, but in some of that you can replicate and some of that you can't. Like you already mentioned, having Greg Oden and Michael Conley in his back pocket. You can't replicate having the number one player in their country dream of going to Ohio state and committing there in the eighth grade and never even once thinking about doing anything else. You can't replicate that. I agree. You know, you can't replicate having a 2010 class where five of those guys played on the same AAU team and have known each other since they were seven years old. And 
they all come in together and the one and obviously some of them panned out some of them didn't but the point you you can't replicate that that's a, that was an ohio elite ohio class you can't replicate that it's very similar to like what the tour what ohio state football just did in 2021 with this elite ohio recruiting class that was a lot of elite players in the state you can't always replicate that but but listen but listen here's the thing okay so thad at the beginning won because he got the best player in indiana because thad like new Indianapolis and, and like the Butler stuff. And it all worked out. Right. Then he got like Evan Turner, who was like a three-star recruit and turned him into the national player of the year. Then he had a team full of all Ohio guys and made the final four with them. Then he pulled a kid out of Kentucky by telling him he could come here and be the star. So, okay. Guess what that is. Four different ways to get awesome players and build championship teams. So guess what? There's a lot of different ways to do it at Ohio State, and I would like to see it happen again. He's stuck and in I the don't Evan know. Turner phase, but he keeps trying to turn Dwayne Washington. The, the three-star recruit, Dwayne was the number one 67 player in the country as a three-star. He's trying to create his own Evan Turner, and it's not working. So, so move on to a new strategy. So there's plenty of ways to win here at Ohio State. There's lots of different ways to get great players. I, uh, so what is it? So what is it? What's the excuse? I don't know what it is. It's not facilities. It's not resources. It's not TV. What is it? So I think the point about equity, and again, I, I, Randy Ayers, his first three seasons, had an Elite Eight and a Sweet 16. Jim O'Brien, his first three seasons, had a Final Four. Thad Mata, his first three seasons, had a national championship game. Instant equity, which gives you a cushion as a coach, but also gives recruits a reason to come here. The longer you go, what equity? Hey, Kata Bates D up, 15-3 and three in year one in the Big Ten. Whoop, whoop. We beat VCU in the tournament one year. The longer you go without building up like a big chunk of equity, the, the long, like you, you run out of time to get it. And the bank forecloses on your program, Nathan. Like that's like, at some point you have to do the thing that starts the thing. Cause you sort of at the beginning have to do something without the equity, right? You have to be able to say like, do the thing, whether it's you develop an underrated player, you have some weird personal connection to a player that gets a great guy here. You take an underdog team and make a run, whatever it is, right? You do it with kind of nothing. You, you spark the fire with a pair, couple of rocks. And then once the fire's burning, now all kinds of people come in, are coming to the fire to be warm. But the longer you go without getting a spark, you're just sitting there hitting the two rocks together and there's no spark. Man, after a while, you're just a cold, lonely man in the forest. And I'll tell you what, that analogy came together better than I ever expected. <laughs> I was so like, Is this the column you already wrote and you're just yeah. reading it right now? I was wondering where you were going with this. <laughs> hey, Sometimes, I want to read this. Yeah, go ahead. I was like, I want to read this list because I think what you're saying right now calls back to what we were talking about before. This is the list of the of the twos. This is the club that Ohio State joined tonight. Syracuse, Arizona, South Carolina, Iowa State, Duke, Missouri, Georgetown, Michigan State. Now, that is an exclusive club of nine teams, but there are two clicks in that club, right? Syracuse, Arizona, Duke. Michigan State, they all belong on one side. And I'm not including – George. that's not Patrick Ewing Georgetown. That's the Georgetown that lost to Dunk City. That was a team that – that used to be my joke every year in the, in the tournament was, I don't know who the first one seed 
I don't know when the first one seed's going to lose in tournament, but I know it's going to be Georgetown because they that was what they were doing at that point. And then on the other side, you've got South Carolina, Iowa State, Missouri, and Georgetown teams that were two seeds who people probably forget were even a two seed like that recently. Iowa State actually had a decent run there, obviously, but like for the most part, though, those are not those are not college basketball powers. Those are college basketball afterthoughts. Georgetown, that's a little bit maybe harsh because of what they did with in the eighties, but but right now they are. So which of those two clubs, which click are you now trying to join? And 10 years ago, Ohio State would have said for sure, well, we're the first one. And if they would have lost to a 15 seed as a two back then, sandwiched in between sweet 16 runs and final fours, they would have been. Right now, they are in absolute grave danger, Nathan, of not being only in the other side now, but in the future. That's how they'll be looked at. Steven, Nathan, I love this point. Steven, right? I mean... I always apologize for things. I'm like, oh, I I yelled for 35 minutes. I didn't really mean it. I mean every freaking word. They're in a danger zone. You better do something before you're not anything. Like, they have to do something, Stephen, or this will get away from them. Turn it into Iowa, as Nathan has pointed out on plenty of occasions. You know, they have these these flashes, these sparks, but it's nothing. It's nothing that it's, it's, it's false. It's fake gold at the end of the day. It's fool's gold at the end of the day right now is exactly where they're at. And I don't see a, there's not a five-star coming in in this class. Malachi is pretty good, but he's not, you know, an NBA player. He's not going to be a one and done guy, at least. Like, from is he going to score 15 points a game for them next year and be a starter? I think he needs to. I, honestly, I, what can he, I, he can score. Will he be, and Drew Joyce has already told me that, yeah, that's the one thing he'll be able to do the moment he steps on campus is score. Honestly, he better be able to. He, they need somebody like that because right now, EJ Liddell is great, and he's probably going to be one of the favorites to win Big Ten Player of the Year next year and all that great stuff. But as of right now, he needs somebody to get him the ball. Even his three-point shooting, it's still a work in progress. I'm still not okay with him shooting four or five threes a game. He's a post player who is developing a perimeter game. Malachi already has a three-level score ability, so he can do it. He's shown he can do it, but he actually needs to be able to do that next year. All right, go ahead, Nathan. I was just gonna say I, I'm gonna push back a little bit because, like, it's when you start throwing around things like they need a five-star, whatever. That get, uh, this is a different pod. This is a topic for a different pod. Do they need that, or do they need the identity that gets something more out of the players that they have? Because I'm not sure they have that. Well, listen, I mean, it's like one of those things, even when I mean, when they had the team that was like all Ohio guys, Jared Selinger came in and was like an All-American as a freshman. Like yeah. it is not unreasonable the way basketball works today for Ohio State to have impact freshmen every now and then. Right. Again, we're not mm-hmm. expecting it every year. It's not an NBA one and done factory. But the idea of, OK, well, a freshman's coming in, like, is he going to start? Is he going to be the third best player next year? Or is he going to be like, well, it took him a time to adjust. It is not an unreasonable expectation for Ohio State to have impact freshmen every now and then. And that's the issue that we're sort of getting to. So, cause, cause I would argue there, the right, there are two things. It's like, you know, whatever the Costa Kufis, BJ Mullins, Greg Oden, Mike Conley, Daquan cook, like they're running NBA guys through. And then the David Lighty, William Buford, Aaron Kraft, Dallas Lauderdale, John Diebler, like you're having Ohio guys who stick around for a while, but even those Ohio guys who stuck around for a while had Jaron Sullinger to help push him higher. Right. And Deshaun Thomas was a big get out of state. So, like, I get it. There's multiple ways to do it. But Ohio State, it's not like Ohio, Ohio State should, have, should not be in an area where they have no NBA players. Yeah. Like, they're better than that. So, like, that's what DJ Cart was supposed to be. So, again, I, I'm, not, I'm fine putting pressure on that. Here's the I, thing. And, and, go ahead, Nathan. Go ahead. 
I just want to say to 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 uh, push back on myself. <laughs> looking at the 2021 <laughs> class, I think there are what five five stars that are going to the Big Ten out of the 2021 class. Two to Michigan, yeah. uh, four. Two to Michigan, one to Michigan State, and one to Nebraska. So you're right. It it that yeah. is it. It's it's tougher because there's only like again about 20 a year. I think it's tougher in basketball to expe- expect that, but you can't go long droughts without it and expect to be at the top of this conference. It's not so much the five start because of that. It is a little harder to gauge that with basketball, but they need a guy where after the halfway through your freshman year, you're at least thinking in the back of your head, is he leaving? Is he, is he, which is what D'Angelo Russell was. That plan wasn't to be a one and done guy. He's supposed to be here for two years. He just went off and it was like, should I leave? And Michigan kind of had that with Trey Burke too. It was, should I leave? Or should I come? The fact that they need a guy where after his freshman year, he's holding a press conference where we're finding out if he's leaving or staying. Who's the guy? And I guess the answer might be Liddell. But how many players, Stephen, in Chris Holtman's era have come in and like been better than you thought they were going to be? Because like for Thad yeah. Mata and, and like like Evan Turner's the example of a three star who was national player year. But it's even like Mike Conley and D'Angelo Russell turned into one and done guys when you didn't think it right that there were sort of like multiple times of like, well, listen, I mean, this guy's kind of like, I didn't know exactly what Aaron Kraft went, wanted to go to Tennessee. And it turns out he's like a four-year stud. He played 30 minutes a game as a freshman. Like who are the guys, if I, if you want to argue a Holtman needs to recruit better, but also who are the guys who were better than expected? I wouldn't even throw Liddell in that group yet because I mean, he didn't have the role he has this year, last year. So even with that one, it's like, Oh yeah, he's, he was awesome from the get-go. They don't have that guy yet. You know, that 20, that 2018 class when they had Luther Muhammad was starting, but that was to play a role. He was just out there to play defense. He wasn't out there to be this awesome freshman. It took Dwayne three years to get to this level. Justin Orange is still not there. The 2019 class, uh, DJ Carton was great, but he was exactly what you thought he was going to be. And you say, Alonzo Gaffney couldn't get off the bench, so he left. They're, they haven't had a guy yet who is – even with this year's class, Eugene Brown couldn't get off the bench and Zed Key had some fun moments, but the best thing he did all year was come up with the finger wave after he got in one. So right now they don't have a guy who came in as a freshman. It's like, man, he's a lot better than I thought he was going to be this year. All right. Let's end with this. So here's the thing. We're not going to apologize for it. All of what we're saying is true right now. So if Chris Holtman wants to go, you know, reach the final, win the big 10 next year and reach the final four and then like play this, podcast back to us i would say you didn't prove us wrong you proved us right because that's what they need to do so far it's not good enough i'm not saying chris holtman should be fired that's crazy i mean again greg mcdermott is an embarrassment archie miller sucked at indiana there are a gazillion coaches worse than chris holtman what am i reminding of everybody i'm reminding everybody of is that this is not good enough for ohio state basketball and if you think this is if you think this was a good year for ohio state basketball your standards are too low I mean, that's just a fact. You're underestimating your university. So if you want to go through life doing that, great. They need that, Stephen. That's all we're saying. So if they come out next year and make the Sweet 16 and tie for the Big Ten title, they won't be proving us wrong. They'll be proving us that's what you need to do every couple of years, and nobody can dispute they haven't done it so far. That's all we're saying, Stephen. And at some point, they have to do it. And in hindsight, right, I know how high they got in the polls. I'm going to chalk a lot of that up to their schedule was easy in the middle and they won a couple big games and they played a bunch of rough teams at the end. 
This is what they finished. This is what they were this year. They weren't the sixth highest overall seed in the NCAA tournament and a two seed and a team that was in the top five at one point. They were a team that finished 12 and eight in the big 10 finished fifth in the conference and lost in the first round of the NCAA tournament in their first game in the rope around it. Second round. That's what they were. That's not good enough. So Steven, they just have to do it next year because if we're having a similar conversation to this next year, I am going to attach maybe Chris Holtman's not the right guy for the job to the end of the conversation. I am not attaching it now. So this is not hot seat. Well, I guess I take it. What is hot seat? Hot seat means you shouldn't be fired, but it's getting hot. It's not hot now. How would I say this? It's warm. It's warm. It's, it, warm. it's like it's butt from it's warm from somebody else's butt being there at worst. I would say that I think if they have a terrible year, like if they have a losing record next year, I think he could be out. If they have a similar year to this next year, then I think one more, I think two more years like this, he could be out. Is that fair? Because they haven't had an awful year. But if you're going to be nine and three Earl, then I think six years of that is enough. If they don't have a breakthrough in the next two seasons, either by winning a conference title or by making an NCAA tournament run, I think he's in trouble. Or if next year falls off a cliff, he's in trouble. I think that's where I am. And I don't, that might be a little easy. Steven, like, is this, is this, I don't want people to listen to this and think we, we think there's, we, they're saying we should fire Chris Holtman. I'm just saying this isn't good enough. I think 14 and six in the conference is bare minimum. And that might be pushing it because you do that. You weren't this roller coaster where sometimes you won, sometimes you lost. You just, you lost some games like normal teams too. But for the most part, you were steady right now. They're not steady. They're roller coaster. And that's, that's not good. So yeah, I, I think you're right. They need, you can, first of all, you can't lose in the first round of the NCAA tournament ever again. That's just that's never going to be okay. The only way he's not on the hot seat is if, is if they are fourteen and six in the conference, regardless of what happens in the tournament in the Big Ten tournament, because that's a different set of rules. And that's everybody. a bonus. Yeah, I, I don't think the conference no, tournament counts for much. Yeah, man, that's all about building momentum for the NCAA tournament. Fourteen and six in the conference, and you get to the Sweet Sixteen. That's your. That's your minimum. Anything less than that, then, yeah, we start having that conversation. Nathan, I want to loop you in at the end here for some of your Purdue expertise, because I do think Purdue is an interesting comparison here because Purdue, like, is a good program. Matt Painter is a good coach, but they aren't stacking up Big Ten titles and they aren't stacking up NCAA tournament runs. How many Big Ten titles has Painter won? Do you know? Has Painter won? Um, I think three. Okay. And maybe, and then maybe also a conference tournament championship in there. They won two and three years a couple of years ago, and, and finished. And the year they didn't win, it was the year that uh, Michigan State just barely beat them and Ohio State out. Okay, but how how do how does how did like Purdue navigate this? Like, I'm I'm assuming some of what we're talking about is at least somewhat like the conversations that have been held at the end of some Purdue basketball seasons. When it wasn't an awful season, but it was like, man, is this? Is this good enough? Can't we do better than this? How was it handled then? And what advice would you have based on your vast experience covering college basketball for anybody listening to this? Well, I think it, you got to look at one of two things because the times that the, was happening to Purdue, 
they had a two-year blip where they didn't get to the tournament. They finished last in the Big Ten. That was my first year covering the beat. And then they brought in a freshman class uh, with a couple of Ohio kids, actually, Dakota Mathias and Vincent Edwards, that kind of lead in that class. And that class steadily, you know, the first couple of years they got in the tournament and they blew a nine-point lead with a minute to go against Cincinnati. They blew that 13-point lead to three minutes to go against uh, Little Rock. Like, they had some collapses down the stretch. But it was because that team was, I think, young and immature. And as that team grew up, then it like led to that team that almost made the Final Four. So that's maybe one half of this is you do, I think, have to get old with talented players sometimes. But they also, what did they also bring in in the interim? They got their Caleb Swanigan, Big Ten Player of the Year, was here, was there two years and went off to the first round NBA draft pick. They had Carson Edwards, um, All American level player. I mean, you do have, you kind of, I think, have to match that up. It, it's a matter of, um, balancing your roster the right way. And, um, but, but also just having some intangibles that you can hang your hat on. And I don't, I never really thought this Ohio state team had intangibles to hang its hat on. Eighth, fifth and fifth in the big 10 the last three years. Like it's just, it's not doing it for me. So, um, you know, I, I don't know if this is the conversation other Ohio state basketball podcasts are going to have. And I know, I know we got a little pushback of like me jumping in at the end of the year. This is what I'm going to do. If they would have gone to the final four, I would have been jumping in with how great they were. But Steven has covered it well all year. I've covered this program for 15 years. I kind of know what's up and I know what is right and what is wrong. And I'm not a fat apologist. I, I, I am a believer in what the standard for Ohio State basketball is. And I'm telling you, this ain't it, brother. That's all I'm telling you. And I'm shooting you straight. And if you want to have conversations with your Ohio State basketball friends who pretend that this is good enough, I'm just telling you that's wrong. You're selling yourself short and you shouldn't. So, you know, and this is, I'm not even going to say like, oh, Chris Coltman's a good guy. They don't hire people because they're good guys. They fire them for being bad guys. So good for him that he is not an incompetent ding dong, that he's not a boob like Greg McDermott. I mean, like, congratulations. That's I, I don't I don't mean that facetiously. It's very good for Ohio State. Greg McDermott would be an embarrassment as Ohio State's head coach right now. And Archie Miller fell flat on his frickin face. Talk about ridiculous, oh, embarrassing. Indiana basketball is in a dungeon right now. And Archie Miller locked the, the frickin cell on him. So he's better than that. But you should shoot higher than that. So that's where we are. I don't know how much basketball will do on the pod. There might be a post-mortem out there somewhere. Stephen, will there be like a post-mortem with Holtman, you think, where after everything settles, there'll be one last thing, like another news yeah, conference? Yeah. I won't be surprised if in two weeks we get him again just to kind of wrap up the season, probably get an update on how Kyle Young is just doing, you know, health-wise, even if there's no basketball. I mean, that's two concussions in three weeks. We probably should know how he's doing. Um, we'll probably find out whether he's staying or not. So, yeah, I wouldn't – next two weeks after some things have worn off and they've had a chance to adjust uh, – not adjust, but you know what I mean. So maybe next year's it. Good luck to them. They need it at some point. Good luck to the Ohio State Buckeyes. Good luck to Chris Holtman and his staff in trying to make next year it. This was a Friday night emergency pod. Nathan and I recorded uh, a normal Saturday pod. Wrapping up the first day of spring football. So make sure you look for that in your feed. We're going to probably wind up jamming them kind of right on top of each other because uh, we didn't think this was going to happen. And it did. Ohio State loses to Oral Roberts in overtime, and the Buckeyes are out of the NCAA tournament. For Stephen Means and Nathan Baird, I'm Doug Maurice. And that was Buckeye Talk. <laughs>